as a syndicator and growing a business, you're trying to just get down to where you provide the most value to your corporation and to your business to grow. And the biggest thing you can make in any investing is paying the wrong price. So if you overpay, it's going to be really hard to overcome that. This is the naked truth about real estate investing. Your host, Javier, has already been through all the brain damage of this business, so you don't have to go through it. That way, you're not exposed to all of the risk of losing your shirt or getting caught with your pants down. So let's dive into another no BS episode right now. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show, The Naked Truth About Real Estate Investing Sponsored by Hero Capital Raising Show, Tin Mai. And as you mentioned in the previous episode, my co-host as well, Tin Mai. And today we're actually wearing the same shirt. I was in his closet earlier today. And Francis, his wife, said, Hey guys, wear some shirts. You guys are twin. Okay, great. <laughs> so we're wearing the hero shirt. That's the, right. It was definitely not planned. Like, <laughs> it was not. <laughs> yeah, we got Kenny Wolf on the show from Texas, resides in Plano, Texas. He has over half a billion dollars of assets under management, triple net lease, multifamily. We got developments going on. There's so much we can talk about in this episode with Kenny. Thank you so much for being on the show. Why don't you say hello, Kenny? Hey guys, thank y'all for having me on. I'm jealous of not having a t-shirt. So if you have an extra one, ship it my way sometime. I'll take a pic and send it to you. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> thank y'all for having me on for sure. Yeah. So why don't you tell us a little bit about you, Kenny, your background, and then we can just take it from there. Sure. So I came out of the oil and gas business. I was a CFO at a pretty young age, 28 years old, made junior partner, made some good seed capital, seed money there, and then just poured it all into multifamily. So I've been doing this for over 13 years now, playing the multifamily game, the commercial real estate investing game. And now we've got 675 million of assets under management today. And like you said, it's spread over multifamily, triple net, and we have some multifamily developments as well. All in progress and some we finished and anyway, but we own multifamily in four states right now. We're in Texas, Ohio, Oklahoma, and Georgia. On our triple net business, we're actually in 17 different states. We're a lot wow. less picky what states we own there just because we don't really care about landlord laws there like we do on multifamily. And then developments, they're great. We do ground up multifamily. And then right now we have 11 office buildings that we're converting to multifamily. Those are all in downtown locations across the US. And then we have our first suburban one, which is interesting. Awesome. That's impressive. Yeah, definitely. Very impressive. Thanks. It's fun. <laughs> yeah. Out of curiosity, Kenny, if you were looking at like your total amount of projects you have done since you got into this business until now, in terms of dollar amount, what would you roughly say that amount might be? Oh, the total right now? I mean, I think we'd be pushing 850, 900 million assets under, or not under management today, but overall the life period for sure. Transaction volume, about 900 million. Yeah. I'm a little disappointed, Kenny. You didn't hit that. Billion. that I know. One billion, man. We're so close. <laughs> We're just going to end this interview now. And then when you get to the one billion, we'll get you back on. No. All right. Yeah. So by the end of the year, you have six months, Kenny. All right. We're working on <laughs> I do have a question. So across all these, you got different asset classes. I'm not going to put you in the spot, but actually I am. So two different questions. Which one do you personally like the best? Okay. Second question is, which is actually easier? You would say less, I guess, maintenance, right? On the asset management side. Yeah, sure. So it's like Southwest. It's all first class, Javier. <laughs> I joke. I mean, we do these three different types of real estate offerings for investors because they offer different risk and rewards, which they need, right? So some folks want that monthly stable income. They love the triple net space. All 56 of our stores are high credit tenants. So we have public corporate guarantees and all of our rents just roll in every month. The tenant takes care of 90 to 100% of all the operational expenses and headache on the property. So it's really, truly mailbox money. 
You're giving up some appreciation though, right? So those are great for monthly cash flow. If I had a favorite right now, I love our historical office conversions. It's a very niche business, but the grants we get from it, the locations we have these assets. I was just in downtown Fort Worth, Texas. We have two office towers we bought. We're Katie Corner to the old Fort Worth Convention Center that they're dumping in $400 million into that state and in, into that thing. And we're Caddy Corner to it. And I mean, our all in price per foot to get a brand new A class, finish out everything in there. We're going to be about 200 bucks a foot. Our rents are going to be three bucks. I mean, it's just fantastic, but it is a lot of grind. You got to grind through the development piece, the historical piece, working with the cities. Fortunately, we work in cities that are really good to work with and that's by design. But those are going to be the huge gains for investors, like three, four X on the money. What's the hold time on those? It depends. Some of them are an opportunity zone. Some are not. If it's not an opportunity zone, obviously we're basically free range. So we're probably, once we buy the deal, it takes us two to three years to get it completed and leased up somewhere right around there. And then if it's not an opportunity zone, obviously everything's for sale for the right price, but we want to check that out and see. They are irreplaceable locations. So maybe we hang on to them. We're not opposed to that to do a big cash out refi. We think we'll get it back 80% or roughly back to investors on the refi by year two or three. So we've almost all of our money out of it. We have to have a really good sales price to really make us move probably on that deal. Awesome. Andy, you mentioned you have like 11 projects that you're doing the office to multifamily conversion. Is that correct? Yeah. I mean, I'd love to learn about that because that market, there's going to be a tons of foreclosures and offices being available. Can you give us some insights into that whole market and you concern at all with, I guess, the amount of properties that are coming online and are we going to have an oversupply situation? Sure. It's a good question. I mean, it's definitely city by city. I can talk about Dallas. I just got the latest stats on that. So right now, downtown Dallas is 50% occupied on office. Wow. Um, that's it, 50%. That's not good. But we have a project down there. Woods Capital has five going on right now. They're huge. He's got a much bigger properties than us. So he's doing a mix of office, hotel, and multifamily in his five towers downtown Dallas. So I met with Jonas the other day in his office. We were talking between his five projects are one. I'm just glad he threw us up on the board. And then there's another family office here in town doing two more. Between all of our projects, our eight projects, we're taking out enough office space to where downtown Dallas, if we don't get new employers or whatever moving in, just like taking out that square footage, you're going to see the office space go back up to 70%. And that's the world they lived in pre-COVID. Like Before COVID, all the downtowns across America was basically 30% vacant. And they were living in that world and doing just fine. So Dallas is now with these projects, and these are all coming online the next 12 to 14 months. You're going to see a huge quick change on downtown Dallas. East city is a little bit different, but roughly it's about the same metric. They were 30%. It's worse now on vacancy. So as we come in and displace or use up some of this office space, we're going to have a much more energetic, much more, I don't know, what do you call it? A lot of energy, a lot of business and a lot of new business flowing into these cities, which is going to be great. New restaurants, new retail. It's going to be a great place to live. Overbuilding. I mean, I just feel like in the places that we're at, we can't build fast enough. The demand, like we have two assets in downtown Cleveland. Cleveland led the year-over-year rent growth in April for the nation at 15%. I mean, so you're seeing like in these markets where if you're not on either coast for the most part, and you're investing in these markets where people are moving to, you've got the wind at your back. So this demand is way over the supply that we can bring on. So I'm not too concerned about that for where we're at. I'm not investing in New York City or San Francisco or some other places where they're having people move out. That's going to be an issue. 
Gotcha. Awesome. So a couple of years back, I think two years ago, maybe a year and a half ago, we were in Houston and you and I were having an adult beverage and you talked about Cleveland. I'm not going to talk about the island and Scarlett Johansson where I'm supposed to be retiring at. We'll leave that off the table. I recall that you had like a historic building or a very important building in Cleveland. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So we actually got two. So the one I think we're talking about is the Rockefeller building in downtown Cleveland. They built it in 1905, the Rockefeller family. So it's pretty neat to own a piece of history where John D. Rockefeller walked the halls and on the 17th floor, there's 42 of their walk-in safes still there. I hammered on all the walls. There's no gold bricks, unfortunately, hidden in the wall. <laughs> but you can see the old storage, the Diebold doors are still there. I mean, it's just beautiful. So we're going to restore and make those storage units for our residents in the building. Oh, that is awesome. Yeah. I remember having that conversation. I'm sitting there like, how do you convert that? Right. So talking about what's your favorite asset, right? You like the developments. It's a grind, right? You got to get through all the city, all the planning. You got all your vendors in there. Then you have your triple net. You have your multifamily you're already buying. Maybe you already buy existing assets as well, correct? Or we do. Yeah, we still do that today. I mean, in 2023, it's dead, basically. Uh, <laughs> the deal flow is just not there. So we're staying busy with this development in triple net. So let me ask you a different question. You have different kind of risk for your investor, right? You got your triple net, you got development, maybe you have some multifamily as well. So as far as like your role, right? Where do you fit in in your company? Well, so we're up to 20 employees now here on the investment side, four away from Warren Buffett on his side. So as a syndicator and growing a business, you're trying to just get down to where you provide the most value to your corporation and to your business to grow. And mine's on the growth side, the high level. I still get deals sent directly to me, a lot of them to review. I underwrite them still. That's a passion of mine. I think the biggest thing you can make in any investing is paying the wrong price. So if you overpay, it's going to be really hard to overcome that. So make sure that we dig in on that. That and then just basically talking on podcast and I'm on stage next week at IMN conference. Really, it's just get the name out there and be able to raise more money. That's awesome. So let's talk about the money raising side. Two things. How is the money raising going for you in this market? And then the second thing is, is it any easier that you're raising for these developments and this conversion versus your standard multifamily? Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's just a weird market for equity and debt. So on equity, I mean, it's just been super slow since October. It seems like of last year. And then all the way through, even just a few weeks ago in May of 2023, just super slow. It seems like maybe 35% speed. I just had this conversation last night, oh, wow. but 35% speed, maybe 40. We're not even 50%. It's really interesting. I mean, there's some really good deals out there. We're bringing in some really great, strong offerings and potential returns to investors. And it's just taken a while to raise the funds. So I think people are just scared. I think they watch too much news and are too bogged down by all that. And in these kind of markets where it's shaky like this, you're going to find some great opportunities. So now's the time to invest. It's not the time to put it and make 4% in your savings account. That's the opposite of what you should be doing. Anyway, so it's really just trying to educate people on overall investing. When there's shakiness in the market, that's when you want to jump in and invest for the future. Right. And then in terms of the development, the conversion, assuming it's the same market, in terms of raising capital, is it harder or is it just different, like different investor type that you have to go after for different type of development, different type of assets or share with us about that? Sure. So before this, like slow down in equity right now, basically everyone's the same on the speed. But before this, like late last year, we're buying a deal in downtown Dallas, a high rise. 
we raised nine million in thirty six hours for mm-hmm. office conversion. So people like these things for us. I mean, we have investors that really, at least before the fall off on equity appetite, they really like these deals because we could explain these historic tax credits that we get, these grants we get, really mm-hmm. juice the returns, and so it makes it for a really attractive investment. That's awesome. Another question is, so in this market, are you having to shift to target a different type of investor at all? Maybe like bringing on newer blood into your war, newer investors? Yeah, for sure. I mean, we're always doing that. We're always looking to add new investors to our investor portal and things like that. And the other thing too, so not only are people a little scared, but also on the flip side, there's not a lot of refinance or sales going on right now either, right? So people's equity are trapped. And it's a lot of equity that's trapped in these buildings too. So we are always looking for new investors, but especially now we're really reaching out to some family offices too now to see to get on one of their lists and break through that. So that takes about a year to do. I've, I've understood it's a lot of lunches, a lot of presenting, but that's fine. With all these office conversions and all the business that we can do, I mean, it's going to be big to do these kind of investments. That makes a lot of sense. I want to hit a topic about a point you made where you said, hey, it could be a shaky market. It's the time to invest, right? Could the market still continue to go down for another year or two or three? Yeah, it could, right? Or it could not. But again, you said, hey, you buy at the right price and you have an exit strategy. What I would say is if you buy at a good price, you have a better exit strategy, right? It's just a lot easier, right? You can sleep a little bit right. better. And what I try to explain to our current investors or any new investors when we're raising money is, hey, this is not 2008, 2009, but potentially you do have the opportunity of 2008, 2009, right? Where you're buying really great deals, 9, 10, 11, 12, kind of that timeframe when there were so many great projects out there. So if you missed out on the last downturn, right? Make sure you don't miss out on this downturn because the upside is going to be great. So they try to convey that to our investors. I got another question for you. You speak in a lot of stages. I've seen you present. You're coming up here next week. You have another event. Tell me, I've seen some booths as well, right? You go with your booth. You got a couple of team. I'm in your email list. So I get your emails. We'll put that on the show links. Also Instagram. So I just follow you right now. Real Kenny Wolf, W-L-F-E. The real Kenny. Okay. Make sure you might tap in there real. So I follow you there. Speaking on stage, how does that change your business or brand? Let me know a little bit about that. No, it's great. I mean, back in January, we spoke at the IMN event in Laguna Beach. It's more of an institutional crowd there. But they had me on stage as the office to multifamily guru is what they called me. Anyway, it's kind of funny. But after that, actually presenting there to them about that, the other panelist one was doing kind of suburban hotels to multifamily. And another was doing kind of malls to a mixed use kind of deal. So we were a little bit different. But after that, I mean, at that dinner that night, I sat next to a guy that handles Collier's SREOs for offices. And so he basically just said, Hey, I want to send you three that I think are coming. You just tell me what you like and don't like on those office buildings. And then I'm about to hammer you with office buildings to buy. So you speak at those events, like you meet folks like that. You also meet potential new investors. It's a great way to get your name out there. I wasn't always a public speaker or a very good speaker. So I had to do a lot of practice. <laughs> so with that, I want you to talk to me about the first time you raised any money. Like, I don't know, how old were you? Was it 500 bucks? Was it a thousand bucks? What was it? Do you remember the first time you asked somebody for money? The first time I raised money was really our first syndication deal. I mean, that was really it. I had started some of our own businesses in the past when I was young and even through college and all that, but I always just used my own money. So it was interesting. You go out there and you have to find the property, put in a contract and then go raise the money which is counterintuitive to most people, but you're out there hustling. But before you put a deal on our contract, what I did and what I was coached to do is like write down some names 
and what you think you can raise from them. Because most folks don't tell you whether it's 50K, 100K, whatever it is, right? You don't know. And so someone coached me to write down, at least on paper, have double what you think you're going to need, especially for your first one. Because there's going to be a lot of like, oh, yeah, I'd love to invest. And then like the spouse gets involved and says, no, they have a tax. They have more taxes than they thought they owed that year. So they can't invest. So there's a lot of people that, especially your first deal, are going to say yes, but then flake out on you, which is, hey, it's fine. It's life, right? So it's just a matter of grinding it out. And the first deal we did, we raised 825K for that deal in Wiley, Texas, and 76 units. And it was a grind. I think I burned up two Blackberries trying to close the deal, but it's just what you have to do. You got to grind and get it done. Awesome. That's a great story. How long ago was that, Kenny? So we did two passive investments, one in 2010, one in 2011 to learn the ropes. And our first syndication was in 2012. Okay. And how much have you raised since then, would you say? We just surpassed the 200 million mark. I think we're at 206. Nice. Wow. That's awesome. Thanks. <laughs> Amazing what 10 years can do, right? Oh, yeah. I guess so. <laughs> so buying in 2011 and 2012, I'm assuming you had some pretty good price per unit if you're buying multifamily and you saw it just skyrocket in 2019, 2020, 2021, right. 2022. So what's your thought process is now, right? You say, Man, these were at 50K a unit or 30K a unit or 70K a unit. Now they're 150K a unit. So what's your thought process behind this? Is it still, hey, just get a good price? Yeah. I mean, it's all relative, right? So like initially I was like, man, Dallas is like way overheated because again, I bought these a lot cheaper than whatever else is paying. But also too, since we're on the development side in 2020, 2021, these folks from out of town were buying stuff in not great locations like Southeast Fort Worth, not a great location on demographics. But he bought it for, I think, 115 a door, a C-class with a chiller. And he was going to put 15K a door into it. It was like 130 a door basis. There's no way it's more than a C-plus. But he's at 130K a door basis. And we're building stuff for back then for like 175, 180 a unit, brand new. It's like somebody's wrong and it's not me. So because you can compare it to development, that's a really good metric to do that. So that really forced us or forced me to look at other markets. And that's what's really got me looking at other markets was feeling. And I called it way too early for Dallas. I was like, man, these are getting hot. And then they kept on going by quite a bit more, but it did. And I'm glad it did. It forced me to go look at other states, other markets as well. Hey, I only buy stuff with chillers, man. Just let you know. (laughs) They're my favorite. Talk about a mini pit. Anyways. Awesome. So Kenny, with the new developments, share with us why you went into new developments versus continue with all the value add stuff. It really just was to get more deal flow and a different type of return to investors. I mean, as a syndicator, you do make more money as on a development deal. So there's that as well. But it's really just to make sure we have deal flow all the time up here. Because if we had just focused on BNC class in Dallas-Fort Worth, I mean, we'd be very slow right now, not doing very much. Like I said, I've got 20 mouths to feed up here on our payroll. And I think it's good to keep busy, keep going. Because if you do slow down, even though investors are a little slow right now, at least we're out there. They know we're doing stuff. They know we're bringing good offerings out. And so when they're ready to join us, they can join us. But it's a way to just keep busy here at the office and make sure we're continually growing. That's awesome. Kenny, how can folks get a hold of you? The best place is our website, wolfwithan-investments.com. We're on Facebook, Instagram. We've got our own YouTube channel. We put out an educational video once a week. And then I speak across the country and quite a bit. So just follow us on social media and you'll catch up to me at some point. <laughs> Wolf Investments, Kenny Wolf, Instagram, Real Kenny Wolf. So I just followed you. All right. The whole real thing was really just a joke. I, <laughs> there are a few other Kenny Wolfs like, how do you differentiate yourself? It's on the Instagram? best way to do it. The real. The uh, real. <laughs> 
So Kenny, I'm always curious about when it comes to raising capital. That's like my favorite topic. When you went to the new construction side, new development, did you have to change your investor type to be okay with not having distribution early and often they're having to wait longer? Were you able to convert your existing investors over to the new construction side as well? Yeah. So it is more difficult. If you're known as the multifamily guy, gal, whatever, and then you just go add a different offering type, people think that you lost your mind. So our first triple net fund, it was a super grind. I really expected us to raise more money because we're, I'm used to raising three, four, five, six million. Like seven years ago, when we started the triple net. We could easily raise that in just a couple, like a day or two. But then this triple net fund, we raised 1.67 million over 12 months, Tim. Oh, wow. It was like crazy. I was like, guys, like, so it was a lot of education to our investors. Like, I have not lost my mind. I love Dollar Generals and this is why, but I had to just keep repeating that. So it really wasn't to me. I don't think it was the returns because, because those are being more cash flow heavy. It's more of you're adding a different offering type, a new asset class under your same umbrella. At least for that was a lot of education. The development deal, I did a little bit differently. I actually bought my own townhome lots. I didn't take any investors. I built those from the ground up, those townhomes, and then was able to point to that saying, Hey, we actually hosted a meetup at our nearly completed townhomes kind of walk them through like, yes, we can do this. And within six months, we had bought almost six acres, an 88 unit, eventual multifamily construction deal and raised the money like that. So I think it's really not so much the different types of returns and the cash flow and all that. Yes, you're going to have to get new investors a little bit, but it's more of proving up, can you as a syndicator, as an operator perform on those asset types? Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, it's definitely key. So when I was flipping houses, I went to buy my first apartment building and I'm like, shoot, a million too. I can raise that in a heartbeat. I had three to four million all the time from my private investors flipping houses in Raleigh, North Carolina. I'm like, hey, I'm buying an apartment building in Charleston. They're like, what? Are you flipping houses? I'm like, yeah, I need a million too. I got punched in the face and I only raised 200K. I was shocked. Did you lose your mind? Right? Like, what are you talking about? You buying an apartment building? Yeah, right. Three year hole or five year. What do you mean? I don't get my money back in six months. You know, (laughs) totally different avatar, right? And at the beginning, none of those investors gave me a single dime that had given me millions in the past. Now they do, right? Now everybody who invested with me in a single family here locally invest in my apartment buildings. But it took maybe six months a year to get them to understand the new model and the investment and things like that. But yeah, definitely you learn your lesson when you're switching asset classes. Yeah, for sure. So our, our other triple net fund was we basically doubled it. The second fund was two point seven million. The third fund was ten million and the fourth one was twenty million of equity. I mean just really ramped up. You really had to prove it up and show the returns for that asset class. Awesome. All right, Kenny, thank you for being on the show. Before we let you go, I have a surprise here for you, which I call this the naked truth roulette. Three random questions as it has nothing to do with real estate. Okay. Just three random questions. Just bear with us. And I'm sure. going to share my screen and we'll make sure that Kenny's not a robot. He's a real person. <laughs> All right. Here we go. First question for Kenny on the naked truth roulette. What is your favorite type of food? Favorite food? Oh man, I had it yesterday. I had the biggest, most unhealthiest vegan cheeseburger that you can find. It was phenomenal yesterday. So anyways, there's a vegan restaurant here in Dallas, Fort Worth, Spiral Diner. It's one of my favorite, but I ended up being in Fort Worth and popped in and had way too much food at lunch. <laughs> so I'm actually glad that this question came up because one of my kids is like 110% vegan. Like he has no leather in his car, no leather wallet. Like he's hardcore, right. not for health reasons, just because he just wants to be a hardcore vegan. 
And so I turned vegan as well. So I ordered a lot of paper and cardboard. So I was be full. So when I would eat, <laughs> it actually wasn't that bad. So my <laughs> wife and I, this year, we did vegan for about a month. I was never hungry. I was actually shocked that there was actually a lot of food to eat. And right. then we did vegetarian, right? For another month. And then we just do like fish and chicken, right? And we don't do any red meat anymore. Yeah. And it was a lot easier to go hardcore than slow it down. But, <laughs> yeah, so you're backwards usually. Yeah, for sure. And so it wasn't bad. I was actually pleasantly surprised, except for the cheese. That's one thing I didn't like. I couldn't do the vegan cheese. And I was never hungry. So, anyways. <laughs> yeah, I was uh, vegan for like six years, but it was so troublesome for my wife. She has to cook my food separately from the rest of the family. And yeah, so I think after six years, I was like, okay, that's fine. I'm ready to switch back to normal. <laughs> but you mentioned that the most unhealthy vegan. I don't know if you can really get. Unhealthy vegan doesn't really go together. It's all relative, right? <laughs> all right, let's go. Second question for Kenny. Look at that. If you, could, you, if you could take any celebrity on a date, who would it be? I think Javier put this on here on extra. I'm not sure how random this is. <laughs> a celebrity on a date, man. Dead or alive? That's a tough question. I guess I'd have to go with ScarJo, just like you, Javier. Oh, look at that. All right. Maybe she has a twin. Double date. Yeah. Maybe there you go. All right. Let's go. Third question for Kenny. What is the last show you binge watched? Oh, The Last of Us, the HBO yes. zombie apocalypse deal. <laughs> I'm a sucker for those kind of shows. So oh. big fan of that. It's a great show. Very well done by HBO. Yes. Great show. One of my favorite actors. Just awesome. I just love him. He does The Mandalorian. He's on Game yeah. of Thrones. He did the movie with Nicolas Cage, which Nicolas Cage is falling off a cliff. And I saw that movie with Nicolas Cage and Pedro Pascal, and it was actually really good. I was actually surprised. It was actually a great movie. Good. Awesome. Yeah. Great movie. Great show. Awesome. Well, Kenny, thank you for being a good sport and surviving the Naked Truth Roulette. <laughs> yeah. Glad I survived. Thank you. <laughs> Anything else you'd like to say before we end the show? No, I just want to thank you guys for having me on. I love investing. It's definitely a passion of mine and excited to see where we can take this office conversion development. There's a lot of work to be done. And with us, our lenders and our investors, we can handle it all. Awesome. So just off the press, Tim Mai is my co-host here on the show. And just yesterday night, we got a note saying that we are top 1% podcast out of 3 million globally. And nice. we're I should have probably let off with that at the beginning, but hey, we'll finish <laughs> strong. Top 1%. Kenny, you're on the Top 1% Global Podcast on real estate investing. So Definitely honored. Thank you guys for having me. I just need a t-shirt next time. So. Oh, for sure. <laughs> yes. yes, we'll send you one, Kenny. Yeah, thank you so much for being on. And Javier, thanks for allowing me to co-host with you. It's super, super honored to be on the Top 1% of Worldwide. Three million shows. That's amazing. <laughs> awesome. I'm Javier Nojo with Tin Mai. Don't lose your shirt. All right. See you. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Kenny, thank you so much. Just as promised, I like to give out free stuff, some tools and tips that's actually helped me in my business. There's nothing out there like getting some free stuff that people have spent a lot of time, energy in putting together. It's like a referral. Somebody asked me for an electrician. You don't know what kind of brain damage I had to go through to give you this good referral for an electrician. You got to appreciate referrals from people, okay? Because they went through a lot to find that one good person. So I'm going to give you my due diligence template for buying apartment buildings. It's attached to monday.com. It is an affiliate link, so they're going to send me a kickback. Not a lot, but a little bit. But you can either download it as an Excel or you can put it on monday.com. Monday.com is pretty cool because it's a project management platform software. It's super cool. I use it all the time for my social media, for my team, tracking deals, doing tasks. 
for everybody. It's uh, it's actually pretty good. You can track construction. It's a project management platform. It's really cool. Monday, like the day, monday.com. So my due diligence checklist is there for free for you. This has been The Naked Truth. Our mission is to give it to you raw. If you got value from this episode, you're invited to leave an honest written review and share this episode with a friend. Thanks for listening and we'll see you on the next episode.